Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we'll be winding back the reel to 1987, where a young group of monster fanatics attempt to save their hometown when it is descended upon by Count Dracula, who enlists the rest of the classic monsters to track down a magical amulet in The Monster Squad. Let's get into it. Gentlemen. You see these file folders? Discipline reports. Lots of them. You see, sir, we kind of have this monster club. Monsters are not real. You guys missed oh. it! Oh, Rocky. Rudy saved my life. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's monsters for? It's us. We're the monsters for. Good and evil are in constant flux back and forth. Only once every hundred years are these forces balanced. And what about the amulet? At the stroke of midnight, the amulet becomes vulnerable. And at that moment, it can be shattered.
Welcome back to Grindhouse, where we made it all the way to episode 40. Yeah. We're enjoying another cup of Pete's Coffee, Major Dickinson's brand, while we talk about the Monster Squad. I am so fucking pumped for this one. I've never seen him have this much excitement. Ever. Listen, I fucking love Monster Squad. I have always loved fucking Monster Squad. This was definitely a surprise that I've never seen this film. I don't know how. I never came across it at all. Never. Never. We, we weren't a big Halloween family. Although so. you've also never seen Goonies. So. No, I actually, I, I'm about ready to put a nail in the coffin of get out of here, you pariah. Um, I've never cared for the Goonies. I've never had any desire to see it ever. I think it's a silly little movie. We're going to have to fix that. I know. This was a cute <laughs> little movie. A silly little movie. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely silly. But... I'm shocked that I... I really need more Pete's coffee, goddammit. I'm shocked I never saw this. I really am. Because it seems like the type of movie that you would see in, like, the late 80s, early 90s as a kid. You'd think you would have, like, come across it on television, or maybe somebody would have shown it to you at some point. Uh, I was one of the oldest cousins, so... You, if, if anybody was going to stumble on this and show this to anybody, it would be me showing it to everybody else. Fair enough. Well, for those who don't know what The Monster Squad is, it is a black comedy horror film from director Fred Decker, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated directors to ever grace Hollywood. I love everything this man has ever done for the most part. I'll put a pin in that because, you know... He did direct one of the terrible RoboCop sequels. I forgive him. He's a great filmmaker, and I don't think he gets the attention he deserves. Mm. I mean, for fuck's sake, this is the guy that brought us Night of the Creeps. Wait, it's the same director? Same director. Oh. This film was written by both Fred Decker and Shane Black, who Shane Black went on to become a well-known director and also the writer of the Lethal Weapon films. Oh, shit. This movie stars Andre Gower, Robbie Keeger, Stephen Mack. I think his last name is pronounced Mack, but it has a T at the end. Mm. Duncan Rieger, Stan Shaw, and Tom Noonan. This movie was originally released August 14th, 1987. It was made on a budget of $12 million and unfortunately only brought in a box office of 3.8 million. It still brought in millions. Still brought in millions, but it is a tremendous failure by those numbers. Well, Hollywood's a bunch of dicks, so yeah. Yes. Which, we might as well just get into it now. It's because of this movie that Fred Decker basically gave up in a lot of ways. He has directed things since. He's directed a lot of TV episodes and a couple of other movies. But this movie, as far as I am aware, it was like his last big passion project. And the the failure of this one brought him down to such a level where he just assumed that nothing he ever made was any good and that nobody cared. And it destroys me to know that. I learned all this from the documentary that we mentioned at the end of last week's episode. It's called Wolfman's Got Nards. Mm. Um, It's about the making of this film. And in that, he, him and 
several others talk about the fact that he just didn't know that his films were popular. He just assumed that everybody hated his work and he was basically just working for the money after that. Does he know how popular he is now? He's he's beginning to learn. Like okay. the making of that documentary really opened his eyes to how much of a cult fan base his mo- movies like The Monster Squad, Night mm-hmm. of the Creeps, and things like that have started to gain over the years. Mm. And I think he he's he's aware of it now. I don't know if it's really gonna help based on how long he's assumed. Yeah. But I'm gonna say this is this has always been a prominent film in my eyes. I, mm. I have always loved this. I've always loved Night of the Creeps. Like I love his style. I love the how much he puts into something that most people would find laughable. There's so much detail and emphasis and a love of the genre put into his work that you don't really find in a lot of other movies so this is his second film we've watched what night of the creeps yes night of the crips as we say in this house night of the crips night of the creeps um and now we've seen monster squad i have to say this this man's attention to detail is uncanny the fact that certain things when i watched it i knew the references immediately it didn't take me very long to understand half of these references like i really did enjoy that the little girl befriended Frankenstein. That is a huge nod to the actual Frankenstein Frankenstein tale, the Frankenstein story. I love the small nods to very, very little things, very key details that I'm like, while watching this, I'm like, this is a cute movie. This is a good movie. This is a good movie. But then you're like, this is my first viewing of this. And my second viewing of Night of the Creeps was when we reviewed it earlier this year. Honestly, I'm shocked that this man didn't do more. Imagine if he kept going how detail-oriented and how good his movies could have become. Yeah, I, I agree. I wish this director... He's got to be not even, like, that old. Like, No. Uh, prominent director in the 80s. He's got to be one of his 50s, 60s now. Yeah, and he made Night of the Creeps, I think, right out of college. Like, he was, like, 1920 or something like that. Okay, it shows. It, it shows with some of the humor in that movie, the yeah. college humor. But you had Tom Atkins in your movie, for God's sakes. Like, half of the people in this movie, I was like, I recognize him. I recognize him. I know who that is. You had predominant actors in this movie. Like, let's go through the roll call real quick. So, the star of the film is young Andre Gower. I recognized him. I don't know who he is, but I recognize him. Uh, He plays Sean in this movie. Our our central protagonist and leader of the monster squad. (laughs) Sean. Um, We have... Stephen Mack, who's Dell, Sean's dad. Mm. He's the the town, like... I don't think he's the sheriff. He's, like, the detective yeah. for that works for the police station. Um, Duncan Rager plays Count Dracula, mm. and he is fucking phenomenal in this movie. I recognize him, but I wasn't sure what he was from at all. Uh, I don't, off the top of my head, know exactly what he's done, like, in terms of his filmography. Mm. This is at least according to IMDb, his most prominent role. I think maybe I've seen his Dracula before, but just never knew who the hell it was. He's also in the miniseries V with Robert Englund. Never seen it. I have the VHS over there. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) Um, Let's see. You've got 
Tom Noonan, who I think kind of steals the show as Frankenstein. Tom Noonan. Oh, yeah. If you've seen his face, you'd be like, oh, it's that dude. Well, he's in the makeup, so. Yeah. Excuse me while I go to Wikipedia. While she does that, you've got Robbie Keeger, who plays young Patrick. Brent uh, Brent Chalum, who plays Horace, or Fat Kid. Fat <laughs> Kid. Michael Faustino, who plays Eugene. Ashley Bank plays young Phoebe. Phoebe. Uh, Ryan Lambert is Rudy. There's a lot of no-name actors. You got people popping up in here, though, like Carl Tebow, who plays the Wolfman. Mm. I've seen him in countless other things. Yeah. Um, a young Jason Hervey, who plays EJ, the bully. And I was like, <laughs> I know that face. I was like, oh, the Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of little casting choices made in this of people you've probably seen a hundred times. Actually, another good one is somebody you'd never know was in the movie. Tom Woodruff Jr., who plays the Gill Man. Okay. He's basically most well-known for playing creatures. So you, like, wouldn't know his face. But he always, he plays, like, monsters in a bunch of different movies. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. I just saw that this man won an Academy Award for his best special effects work on the 92 dark fantasy Death Becomes Her. Didn't they do Death Becomes Her at IML? ILM. ILM. Yes, I think that might have been in the time before ILM really became ILM, but... But I'm just sitting here going, are you telling me, oh, he's in in Pumpkinhead. Mm. He is. Aliens. Tremors. Jumanji. Oh, dude, this... Oh, yeah, he, he worked for... He worked for ILM. Uh-huh, I'd like cool. to I'd like to make an addendum. Uh-oh. Because I made a mistake here. Oh, no. Carl Tebow was the man in the Wolfman costume. The actual guy playing the man, the Wolfman... Yeah. ...is John Grease. This actually credits him for both, John Grease. John Grease may have also been in the costume at certain points, but on IMDb, Carl Tebow is listed as Wolfman. Like, in the costume. This man's got a lot of, uh... Men in Black. Napoleon Dynamite. Taken 2. Taken 3. He's done... This man has done a lot. (laughs) Holy shit. His IMDb is ridiculous. He was in The Pretender from 96 to 2000. He played Lost. Played Roger in Lost. I don't know who that is, because I gave up on Lost very quickly. Wow. These guys are definitely, uh, they've got, you've got some heavy hitters in this, uh, in this list. Well, there's also a lot of little things, like, throughout this movie, like, uh, Dustin Diamond has a small role in this. Screech was in this? Dustin Diamond plays a kid who tries to trade baseball cards with the boys. The scene, I should mention, was cut. Oh, okay, But there was, there was a scene where Dustin Diamond was in this movie. (laughs) Damn. And uh, since we're talking about the cast, one really sad note that I'd like to mention, because it always kills me when I'm reminded of this, Mm. actor Brent Chalum played Horace, fat kid. Yeah. He tragically passed away of pneumonia in 1997. Oh, shit. not long after this movie was made. Because this was, what? 87. 87, so So 10 years. He probably wasn't... Oh, he was young. He was like a teenager. Very, very young. Oof. And 
I honestly think he probably would have had a much bigger career than he had. Yeah, because he was kind of a badass kid in this movie. He was not even just that. He was funny. He, yep. he was, like, enjoyable to watch throughout all the scenes. I like the action cop scene at the end. Like, when he cocks the gun, I'm like, hey, that's fucking funny. The name's Horace. <laughs> gives gives hope to every fat little kid. Oh, uh, it really does. <laughs> not to mention, he has the most memorable line in the movie. Wolfman's got Nards. <laughs> when, oh my god, I actually in my head was, he said the thing! He said the thing! <laughs> yeah, it gives hope to every little fat kid in the world, like, hey, you too can become an action star someday. <laughs> There's a lot of other little ones, like, um, Liam Neeson was paid for a bit part that never got shot. What? Liam Neeson was almost in this movie. Um, technically, Stan Winston, who did the all the creature effects for the film. Yeah is in the movie. Where is he in the movie? In some form. Okay. So he actually, the face of the Wolfman was modeled after his. Which, if you look at a picture of the Wolfman and him side by side, you can kind of see it. I was going to say, that Wolfman looks real fucking weird. It's just a little bit. Like, you can see, like, some features that match. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. (laughs) I remember, I just was looking at him going, why did that fucking man's face... This man is responsible for that fucking weird-ass little baby T-Rex in the second Jurassic yeah. Park. Stan Winston did the effects for so many fucking movies, it's unbelievable. Damn. And his team is still doing them. Are they? Is he still around, Mr. No, Winston? No, he passed away, unfortunately. When did he pass away? I forget. But before we actually get into the movie itself, it's worth noting that... The scene, this movie was almost a, like significantly higher budget than it actually ended up being. Really? Yeah. Uh, according to Fred Decker, Shane Black's first draft of the, the script was so huge. The opening of the movie featured Van Helsing accompanied by his like all his cohorts and like basically hundreds of men on horseback storming Dracula's castle and like Decker was like this this would cost more than the entire movie like you wish Jesus. to cut this down <laughs> but when you're passionate about a project like I've seen some filmmakers that I know several filmmakers that I know um, y'all are crazy and when you're passionate about a project you're passionate about a fucking project yeah we certainly can be Like, I've seen you with some of the things that you've written, not necessarily have directed yet because they are yet to be directed. You have changed them so many times from your original idea for budget, for practical effects, for things like that. And in my mind, it's like, how grand can this actually be in someone with a creative mind? I mean, it can always be huge. I mean, some of the people I've worked with, I still work with, some of their ideas are so outside of their capability at this present moment mm. that it's like where how do you expect to do this like yeah not everybody thinks while writing with a practicality mm. like sometimes they just write to get it out onto the page and then they're like oh i'll figure out how to do it later yeah that, that's later that's later so-and-so's problem and then later so-and-so's like you son of a bitch me personally like i always try to write if when i write with like my limitations in mind Mm. so like if i try not to write things that are outside of my capability 
But I do have to say some of the things that you have written that are within or a little out of reach really aren't that bad. I try. <laughs> so shall we get into this? Yes, this was all you. Um, I was so engrossed in trying to pay attention to this film because as you said at one point, this jumps. This Yeah, so this movie, it does jump around between characters a lot. Mm. So I tried my best to do a, a play-by-play, like a breakdown of the whole thing, but I honestly only got about midway, and then I just started taking notes on things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So we'll get into it, but we're probably going to trail off from the breakdown. Yeah. So best place to start is the first thing, which is an opening text crawl. Very, a little bit Star Wars-y, but yeah. <laughs> the text crawl reads... 100 years before this story begins, it was a time of darkness in Transylvania, a time when Dr. Abraham Van Helsing and a small band of freedom fighters conspired to rid the world of vampires and monsters, and to save mankind from the forces of eternal evil. They blew it. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. The end line is, they blew it. Which makes me laugh, because this movie has one hell of a fucking sense of humor, sense of humor right off the bat. It doesn't. It doesn't shy away from, like, oh, this is a serious film. No, it's like, oh, they they found, they done fucked up before they even began. <laughs> yeah. The so we open with this this raid on Dracula's castle. Hmm. Um, we actually a couple moments before that we see Dracula in the castle. He's kind of I forget what he's doing exactly. But one thing I wanted to note was you questioned why are there armadillos yes. walking around in the in the background. Why were there armadillos in Transylvania? And I actually do have an answer for that. So we see armadillos like just kind of walking around the fog. And that's because it's a reference to the 1931 Dracula. That where in the scene where Bella Lugosi is giving Dwight Fry the tour of the castle, hmm. you see armadillos crawling around. So it's just a little, little subtle nod. All right. Well, then we'll go to why were there armadillos in the earlier one? What, what, what? Uh, let me see, make sure there's no answer for that. Were they like rats weren't available, so we got an armadillo instead? So in the original, so I do have an answer to that. Okay. In the original film, the armadillos, they're indigenous to the Americas. So in the original movie, they're seen as a goof. So them putting them in here was just a nod to that. Oh, okay. All right. See? Lost my train of thought in the middle of saying, that's interesting. What is wrong with me today? Like, that's... Come back. (laughs) (laughs) Come back. Come back. Um, So, Van Helsing and his guys are beginning to raid the castle. This William Zabka-looking motherfucker throws dynamite at the door and blows it open. Really? I was like, what? He looks... The guy that throws the dynamite looks a lot like him. He does. Um, Van Helsing brings in this young virgin girl to perform a spell to, like, banish Dracula into... I believe they call it... It's like the void or something it's like a space between yeah they they said limbo limbo all right there we go and this scene gets very hectic very fast so it's like storming outside and shit is 
The castle's like falling apart. Dead start rising out of the ground. Dracula's brides are attacking them. Shit has officially hit the fan. <laughs> the girl performs the or speaks the spell, mm-hmm. opens the portal, and it starts sucking everything through, including them. Yep. And we flash forward to pl- present day to a classroom where we meet our protagonist, Sean. And he's getting reamed by what I think is the principal. I, I figured it was the principal. Um, and he's dressed in his classic Stephen King rules t-shirt. Which you commented that you own that shirt. I do own that shirt. Where is that shirt? I've never seen you wear that shirt. Uh, I don't think I ever have worn it. I bought it at one point, and I just haven't ever you had an occasion. You have never worn your Stephen King rules shirt? I don't think I have. We're going to change this. I'm going to have to find it. I know it's somewhere. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Because it's not black. It isn't black. It's bright red. <laughs> uh, we then cut outside where we meet Fat Kid, a.k.a. Horace, which is I, I, the most unfortunate nickname. <laughs> That a character could have. Honestly, I think they could have gone better. Like Lardo, Tubalubba, something creative. Fat kid. Sim- simplicity is best. If somebody called me, hey, <laughs> fat kid, I would have been like, really? That's the best you can do, simpleton? <laughs> um, in this scene, he starts getting beaten up by the school bully, um, who's apparently named EJ. Which made me <laughs> laugh. I was like, EJ, you say, huh? And uh, he gets saved by the badass of the group, Rudy. Who's in middle school. I went, what kid is a badass in middle school? Rudy. Fuck yeah. I I call bullshit. Um, We quickly get introduced to the concept of this. There's this scary old German guy living in the neighborhood. (laughs) His credit is scary German guy. His credit is scary German guy. I'm like, oh, who's this actor? (laughs) He's a famous actor from the early, like, from the golden Hollywood days. And his name and credit in this is scary German guy. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God. The 80s were a different time, kids. Um, The... The guys discuss letting Rudy join their monster club, which, yes, the the group in this movie is essentially a group of kids who are just obsessed with monsters. So this mirrors the Goonies, like, pretty... Pretty closely. Pretty closely. Okay. Um, And they, they end up giving him this monster test, which is basically consists of asking him questions to test his knowledge about monsters. <laughs> like- but all Rudy cares about is the fact that there's binoculars leading into the one of the kids' sisters' bedrooms while she's undressing. Yeah, and for some reason she always undresses in front in of the front open of the window. window. Open. <laughs> but she's nice enough to turn around to not show her boobs, but she's almost full frontal nudity at one point, and I'm like, this, this, no, stop. Get some help. Um... In this same sequence, we learn that Sean's sister wants desperately to join the Monster Squad. She's five, by the way. She's five. And it's adorable. Um, Just after this, Sean's mother gives him Van Helsing's journal. Which they found. In like an old house. In the abandoned house that Dracula was in. Yes. Who went to that abandoned creepy house and found Dracula's journal? Van Helsing's journal. I mean, Van Helsing's journal. And amidst all of this, Dracula has indeed returned. 
and he's rounding up the monsters and he seems to have some kind of control over them possibly due to his like mystical abilities except for frankenstein except for frankenstein but frankenstein still calls him master throughout he calls the movie. him master but i feel like frankenstein so the whole everyone knows the story of frankenstein you know he was pieced together by um dr frankenstein I believe it's supposed to be Frankenstein. It's a German name. Yeah. Um, and when they put him together, his brain was that of an abnormal brain. And people were like, oh, he was he they used the brain of someone with, you know, special needs. I've never believed that. I believed that he was someone who uh, had more of a simple mind, but was very logical and intelligent. So he could decipher right from wrong. He was a very misunderstood creature and i think this director went that way too where dracula's like you will get this book from the children and if they don't give it to you you'll kill them and he's like i don't want to kill them they're children and he he befriends phoebe right away like instantly he befriends the five-year-old and that's in like a scene that's a complete homage to frankenstein original where he walks up to her you know, and they become friends. Did she scream at that point? I don't think she screamed. No. So in the original Frankenstein, he he walks up to her and they they share like a moment. She's like, "Hi," and gives she gives him a him flower. A flower. Yep. But then there's like a misunderstanding where he's like tries to play with her and he throws her in the water and apparently she dies. I thought it was he went to go pick her up and he hu- he squeezed her too hard and it squished her. No, she ends up he th- tosses her in the water in the movie, and I'm I think you're supposed to assume she drowned yeah but and then everybody goes and then after he's very him for upset. that he even mourns her in that point like i didn't mean to do this this wasn't what i meant to do yeah but i think he sees phoebe as a chance to redeem himself at that point because he immediately befriends the kids and learns 80s late 80s slang like bogus he says bogus bogus, bogus. I was says like, it a couple oh, times in the movie so cute but I really like that little attention to detail where this guy, this director is making sure each, um, he's making sure that each monster has its own little throwback. Like the Wolfman, where the where, where when he's out of Wolfman, he's like, you need to help me. I'm going to turn into the Wolfman. You know, you've got to help me. Lock me up. Don't let me go back. He's two different minds, which is how the original Wolfman is. Yeah. He is of two minds. He does not know what Wolfman does as opposed to human. Well, the, uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of detail in this movie. And, mm. like, that is not an understatement. There's a tremendous amount. Huge. And, like, just some of the... I only wrote down a few here and there. But some of the ones I wrote down is, like, the fake slasher movie series that's Sean is obsessed with. Which is... It's called Groundhog Day. Which is apparently on part seven. Uh, oh my god, I thought he was literally watching Groundhog Day for the the seventh time. I no, thought no, he was no, going no. to see Groundhog Day. No, because if you listen to his dad describing it, mm. it's a slasher movie series. <laughs> it sounds absolutely ridiculous. And I you're wish telling it was real. me no director, no writer in the world has decided, let's make Groundhog Day an actual slasher series. Unfortunately, no. Well, I would do that. Fans of this director, you know what to do. <laughs> um, there's a lot of detail, like the fact that the parents are having marital issues. Yeah. And 
like the kids are like affected by it but it almost maybe that's what's pushing them into these like like distancing themselves from reality with like the monster stuff like oh if i like monsters you know maybe it'll take me away from the fact that my parents hate each other then there's stuff like the uh Something I absolutely love. One of the, it's such a small scene and it means basically nothing, but is when so the dad has gets called into work and the mother's all pissed at him. He yeah. goes in and we have the the whole scene with the the guy screaming about being a werewolf and they the wolf man, wants yeah. to be locked up. But then he you see him come home and he find and Sean is up on the roof watching the movie at the drive-in because apparently they live near it yep he's up on the roof he's watching it through binoculars he's got the radio tuned so he can hear it and his dad just comes out onto the roof with a bag of burgers sits down with him and watches the movie and says what did I miss it's such a cool little scene because it's like you see that yeah his parents are struggling but he doesn't forget that he has kids. He still lo- like he loves his kids. He yep. connects with them. He takes the time to bond with them when he can. He doesn't forget that these aren't just their kids. Never mind. Anything that goes on with your kids, if you're fighting a divorce, anything bad, kids fucking notice everything. And I'm I'm saying this very bluntly as a child of a divorce. Your children notice every single thing that happens. And while you might think you're hiding it pretty well, your kids don't know what's going on, they know more than you think, and it does affect them. And I think these parents, while the mom even says, he, Phoebe's like, are you gonna yell at him for scaring me? And he's like, oh, I'm not gonna yell at him. I love him very much. Oh no, I meant Sean. Oh, I'll have a talk with him. But the parents are trying. Yeah. And it was, it's, this is a silly little monster movie. But there's so much heart in this that you sometimes overlook that this director, like, really, really tried. Well, generally, like, in a movie like this, the parents would be very disconnected from the kids. Like, they would be there as the parental figures, but they would always be the ones that are just like, eh, you're fine. We're busy. Get out of trouble. Leave me alone. Go do something. Get out of here. That kind of thing. Just the fact that they took the time to show these little little moments or like before his dad has to go to work and he's telling him I'm sorry you gotta stay you can't go to the movie you gotta stay home and watch your sister you got a five year old sister that I need you to I need you to watch but they have this whole conversation about the movie and you can tell that it's like this is a passion they share they both watch these kinds of things Mm. like your dad knows all about this Groundhog Day series putting a pin in this at the moment let's get back to that um, what was wrong with you people in the 80s that would let your children watch slasher movies? This kid had to be in third or fourth grade. Maybe fifth. I'm looking dead in the eyes at you. Listen, we fucking turned out fine. I, I don't know about that. I'm fine. Everything is fine. I just have an obsession with movies. I think I got out unscathed. <laughs> don't worry. My ass just got a little singed, but I'm all right. Um, and honestly, the biggest and most prominent one for me that I, I noted was Scary German Guy. Yep. So you're introduced to the idea of him that he's just like creepy guy, watches the kids in the neighborhood through his window. And when Sean gets the diary, he realizes that it's in German. 
So he has to find somebody to translate it. That's where he goes. They bring the bring him this diary and he invites them into his house. He gives gives them pie. Yep. He's wicked sweet to them. And there's this moment when they're leaving. He, like, he translates the diary for him, obviously. Yeah. But there's this moment when they're leaving when he's kind of joking with them. And he's like, hey, like you probably thought I was a monster. But if I was a vampire or something, I wouldn't have a reflection. And uh, I think it's Horace who says, man, he, you seem to know a lot about monsters. And he says, you know... You're right. Perhaps, about perhaps you're right. Maybe I do. And he closes the door, and you see that he has a concentration, the concentration numbers on his stamp on his arm. And I went, "Oh my god!" Like that, he knows monsters more than anyone because he has lived through them. That sent a shiver through me. I'm like, "Ooh!" But that's a detail that you wouldn't expect in a movie like this. Nope. And you don't think, like, watching it as a kid. You really wouldn't understand that because this is 87. Obviously, you were not born yet. I was two. Like, if I watched this in the 90s, I wouldn't understand that. I would have no idea what that meant. And now watching this, like, as an adult, I'm like, yeah, this is a monster movie, but this man lived through the worst monsters like it's almost, of anybody's lives. It's almost like uh, Decker was... It's almost like Decker was trying to put a moment in there to remind the audience that, yeah, we're telling you a, a fun story about monsters, but real monsters exist. Yep. And that that fucking hits me every time I see this that movie. That was that moment. You know when we watch a scene and we're like, ooh, that one went, ooh, ooh, I gotta go. Ooh, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like that, that definitely like whacks you right in the feels. You know there's a direct Night of the Creeps homage. There's a direct Night of the Creeps homage in this. Where? So, uh, there's a sequence, I think it's a little after we learn about the German guy. Yeah. That, um, the, Sean's dad and his partner, who, by the way, that relationship is fucking hilarious. I see where the influence for the Lethal Weapon series came from. Yeah, you have that tough-as-nails, no-bullshit cop and his wisecracking fucking sidekick. Oh, my God. Um, So they get called to the town museum because a, what was it, a uh, 2,000-year-old mummy Mummy disappeared. up and walked away, yeah. And there's a moment in this sequence where the... Where Sean's dad just looks at the, I think it's, I don't know if he's talking to his partner or to the the security guard, but he's like, look, 2,000 year old dead guys don't just get up and walk away by themselves. That's an exact line that Tom says, that Tom Atkins says in Night of the Creeps. I really wanted a um, good news is the monster's here, bad news is you're dead or some stupid line like that. Oh, that would have been fun. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, this director doesn't understand how iconic that line is in this household. Oh, God. That and fucking the one thing that I absolutely can't stand more than, oh, my God. Leo. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thrill me. I fucking... <laughs> well, this is the end of the podcast. I'm going to yeet myself out that front window right now. Yeet! The music in this movie is fucking phenomenal. It was really good, yeah. I mean, you got your blend of classic 80s music with... There's actually a couple of actual songs. Uh, I believe they were both done by Michael Cimbello. There's Rock Until You Drop and The Monster Squad Rap. Was that the one at the end? The Monster Squad rap was, yeah. Uh, Rock Till You Drop, Until You Drop plays during, like, the montage in the middle of the movie. Okay. Where they're, they're like... Making the bullets, yeah, sharpening show, the stuff. Yeah. You show Rudy making wooden stakes in shop class and silver bullets in some other class. That Sean stole from his mom's silver utensils. Yep. Did your parents ever have silver growing up? No. We, My parents. We were poor as fuck. We didn't have anything. We had hand-me-down silver. We didn't have anything. <laughs> we were lucky if we had Walmart fucking utensils. Did your grandparents have the fine dining set or the room that you don't sit in? No. We had that too. Um, I think like my grandparents on my dad's side had like the hutch, which would have like old dishes. All the knickknacks and stuff. But like that was about it. Like, okay. there was never, never any, like... Sean's mom reminds me of that. Like, the fine china, the fancy outfit. Like, we only eat in this room on special high occasions, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. That kind yeah. of shit. I, I was just like, oh, I'm having, like, flashbacks to the 90s. I just watched Sean's head go... <laughs> so, at th- this is about the point where, like... It gets notes very went out jumpy. the fucking yeah, window. Yeah, it gets very jumpy. Because it's jumping all over the place. My notes after this are basically just about specific things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we have like the the werewolf transformations in this movie. We don't see a lot of them, no. but when we do, they look fucking amazing. Thank you, Stan Winston, for that one. Um, they're very similar to the ones in American Werewolf in London. Never but seen it. That's sad. <laughs> but they're like faster paced. Yeah. Like in American Werewolf, they take longer. In these, they're, like, quick-cutting, and it, like, happens very fast, but it looks awesome. Well, you're assuming that somebody who's seen this has seen American Werewolf in London. Oh, I'm sure. So you're like, oh, this is nothing new to you, so let's just get back to the story and the action kind of thing. And speaking of the werewolf, this movie answers a, a very prominent question that people have had for many, many years. What's that? What happens if you blow up a werewolf? Oh, he just goes back together. That... I think is one of the most hilarious things that they did in this movie. What? 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 I All I remember is like, we're going panic to the werewolf and I'm like, oh, okay. Don't you dare. 
don't you dare. And then he just, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, that's the thing. Like the whole, the rule is that only a silver bullet can kill a werewolf. So you're telling me if this man is blown to chunky, tiny little bits, eventually these bits will be like, we can get back Like, no. Apparently. Logic says no. Then again, I don't really know if there's any werewolves out there, but you know, Comment down below if you're a werewolf. You know, have you been blown up? And yeah, just let suddenly... me know if we can blow you up and you'll just pull yourself back together. <laughs> that is the ultimate pull yourself back together, man, though. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. Hey, did you get bombed? Pull yourself back together, asshole. <laughs> what the fuck? <sighs> um, the plot of this movie, essentially, it, it goes on a trajectory of they translate the diary, they figure out that they have to track down this amulet that Dracula needs in order to essentially gain enough power to where creatures of the night can rule the earth. Yes. That's his whole aim. And to do that, they have they have to go to where the diary was, which was the old... It's like this old abandoned... Uh, I would call it um, a mansion. I call it a mansion, yeah. That's, in ta- that's at the edge of town. That Van Helsing's ancestors owned. Yes. So they they travel out there with Frankenstein, and I think uh, I forget what Rudy. Oh, Rudy and the other kid, the uh, Eugene. Eugene, yeah, the little Rudy boy. Rudy and Eugene are at the same time going to try and find out if Eugene's older sister is a virgin because they need a virgin for the ritual. I have a bone to pick with this movie and this director. Okay. <laughs> They had Rudy, a middle schooler, who was a virgin. They had all of these boys who were virgins. Why did the sister and the five-year-old girl get considered virgins before the dumbass teenager Rudy, who's probably been pulling his fudge for months and months and months? (laughs) That's the big plot hole of the entire movie, is the fact that any one of the Monster Squad could have done the spell. So they went with the five-year-old. Traumatizing this tiny little actress. We'll get there. <laughs> Can you imagine her going home going, Mom, what's a virgin? Oh, they God. kept calling me a virgin on set. So they go out to this mansion. Uh, they, As soon as they go inside, because Frankenstein's footsteps are very heavy, Yep. they alert Dracula that they're there. Uh, somehow, whatever Dracula's working on, the plunger... Goes down, blows He's something Dracula. up. He's magical. And the roof collapses on Frankenstein. They essentially get run in with the Wolfman, which is the big scene. The Wolfman comes kick out. Kick him in the nards. Kick John's him in screaming, the nards. Kick him in the nards. And uh, Horace. Horace kicks him in the kicks nards. Kicks him in the beans. And is the big the big line of the movie. Wolfman's got nards. And then Dracula comes out, his brides come out, they're all cornering them, essentially. They find Dracula's, like, trapdoor lever, which takes them down into the basement, where they find the amulet. Yep. Sean takes the amulet, they are able to get at- Dracula finds them, Sean gets, like, not- gets grabbed, and they are able to get out of the situation because Horace has a- sandwich with garlic in it or something that he sticks to Dracula's face. I never really knew what that was. 
but he sticks it in Dracula's face, he starts burning, and then they get away. Sean, I've always wanted to ask you, are you Dracula? Because anytime I make anything with garlic, you're like... No. <laughs> um, I'm very disappointed by that answer. Basically, from this point, we're in a mad dash to the finale. Yeah. Like, this, this ending goes very quickly. It does, yeah. Uh, we find out... So they... The sister tells Eugene and Rudy that she's a virgin. Oh, I'm a virgin. I can help. So they're all driving so, to this, the town center. Yeah, so they all... This is... Okay, well before that, the father is trying to get to the kids at home. Dracula corners him. And Dracula blows up his partner in the cop car, and the mom comes out as Dracula turning into a bat, and the mom is just like, what is going on? Well, that's the thing. Dracula goes to their house, blows up the treehouse fort. Yep. Uh, Well, he drives through their fence, blows up the treehouse fort. The dad meets him back at the house. He blows up the partner. Uh, the mom turns into out. a bat. The mom's like, what the fuck is going yep. on? <laughs> at this point, I can bet you that their marital problems are nothing anymore. No, so much of this movie is absolute chaos, and I love it. It's, it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> this is why this movie is multiple viewings. Yes. Um, just like Night of the Creeps. Yeah. So... They get out of... Sean and Horace get out of the mansion. I think there's somebody else with them. I'm like The little kid mixing. with the puppy. Yeah. Uh, no, that's Eugene. Is that Eugene? Or Eugene's the, the brother? No, Eugene's the youngest one. You're missing a kid. I am missing a kid. Who Hang the on, fuck you're missing, missing a child. We need to fight. Which child are you missing? I lost a kid, guys. Help me. <laughs> Not my kid. I can tell you that much. No, I don't have a kid. Uh... There is Sean Patrick. Patrick. That's who I'm missing. Patrick okay. is the one with the hot sister. Yes. So Patrick, my bad. Um, so basically all of our central characters converge here. So creepy German guy and Horace, like everybody shows up, meet up, and they all get into the creepy German guy's like World War II Jeep. Yeah, which is interesting because <laughs> the top's off so you can see everything. Yeah. And they're driving away, and they run into the mummy. The mummy latches onto the car, and they're all freaking out. And Rudy picks, uh, ties the end of the mummy's wrapping to an arrow, shoots it in a tree, and then since they're driving, he just gets pulled apart. He slowly unravels (laughs) till he's a skull in the middle of the road. So that's how you defeat the mummy. Brendan Fraser. You have been told. It, it was that easy. Yeah. You fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> Essentially, from here, they drive to the center of town because their logic is monsters hate religious places, and there's an old church at the center of town. It's not very good logic. <laughs> it's not, but if you remember when they found he found the amulet, the amulet was surrounded by crucifixes. Crosses and garlic, yeah. a bunch of other stuff. So obviously they knew that he, eventually he would come back for it. So there's kind of like, okay, I believe that they don't like. And you know, I like the attention to detail there. I'm sidetracking a little, but... We see Dracula break through the wall earlier in the movie and find the amulet. And at that moment, you're wondering, like, why doesn't he just fucking take it? It's right there. And then you see that room 
and it's not sit. Nobody says anything about that stuff being around it. Nope. But it's just Fred Decker was like, no, people will see the garlic and the crosses and know he can't and get no, in there. No, he can't get in there. He's got to send Wolfman or one of the other people in there to retrieve it. I love that's that why he, he needs a he needs his own squad because he's a little bitch baby. Yeah, and I love that. Uh, Fred Decker doesn't spoon feed you the information. He no. puts it in front of you and allows you to fucking absorb it. The <laughs> five minute rule is definitely in a five second rule is definitely in effect with this movie. You don't know. So the five. So, okay. Me and my friend Erica came up with this. Anytime you don't understand why something's in a movie, it's a plot, de- plot device, Mr. Frodo. Plot device. There's always a reason for it. And wait, why did this happen? Wait five seconds. There is your answer. There is always a reason. And good directors like that will give you plot devices and they will give you the five second rule. This director gives you both. Yeah. Very good director. So they all make make a mad dash to the center of town where their plan is to redo the ritual, open the portal, and hopefully send Dracula and all the monsters back to the void, the limbo. Limbo. And they're going to use... Eugene's older sister as their virgin conduit, sac- yeah, their their virgin, virgin to read the spell. Said virgin sacrifice. I don't <laughs> think it's that kind of movie. No. And this by this point, the whole movie is in chaos. Everybody is running everywhere, trying to like get to each other, and it's a fucking mad mashup of scenes. Yep. <laughs> Try to. So they do the ritual. Nothing happens. Then they find out that Eugene's sister is not a virgin. No, she as she puts it, well, there was Steve, but, but he, he didn't count. He didn't count. <sighs> Fuck you. <laughs> so then they have to use Phoebe, the five-year-old little girl, while scary German guy, I really wish this man had a name, feeds her the German word she has to recite. And in the middle of this, there's ensuing fight, there's Wolfman, there's the lizard dude. So let me run through that real quick. So during this whole massive sequence where they're trying to pull off the ritual, Wolfman is attacking everybody. This is where we have the big scene where the dad shoves dynamite in the Wolfman's pants, kicks him out a window. Oh, I get it. He doesn't have Nords anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he explodes into pieces, reforms because the only way you can kill a werewolf is with a silver bullet. And then the werewolf is uh no. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. Rudy is killing all of the brides of Dracula with stakes and a bow and arrow. Yep. The wolfman comes up on him and the cops try and like get its attention. They start attacking it. Rudy then takes one of their the guns of the dead cops, puts a silver bullet in it, and shoots the wolfman. Who turns back into a human and says, thank you. Because all he wanted was to be stopped. Yep. And I fucking love that. That was great. Just him being like, thank you. I'm like, oh my god. The gill man attacks uh, Horace, and Horace, for some reason, has one of the cop's shotguns. Blows that motherfucker out of the water in front of his bullies. Yes. And they're like, hey, fat kid, great job. And he's like, my name is Horace. I was like, they will never pick on that kid again ever in their lives. Fuck no. 
It was badass. That was badass. And I really like that he just one-shots the, the Gill Man, because yep. it's just a fish man. It literally is. It's just a fish man. Like, it shouldn't take a lot to kill him. Great, uh, great moment. If they used dynamite, they would have had sushi. Ooh. Ooh. Missed opportunity. And as they're getting closer to pulling off the ritual, Dracula shows up. Oh, and he grabs Phoebe by the neck. Yes. <laughs> this sequence. So let me paint this for you a little bit. Dracula shows up while they're in the middle of reciting the chant. Uh, scary German guy basically tells Phoebe, don't look up. Just yep. keep reading what I'm telling you to read. And Dracula's walking towards them. All these cops are trying to stop him, and he's just... They're nothing to him. He's just killing all of them, one by one. He gets to the little girl. Caresses her face he actually, gently. He shoots something at uh, Scary German Guy. Yeah. And he gets to the little girl, and he, he like, just grabs her by the chin and he he lifts her up by her face. And I'm like, this poor little five-year-old, now you're going to get attacked by Dracula. He, del- he delivers the line, give me the amulet, you bitch. To a five-year-old. <laughs> it's the greatest moment. Oh my fucking God. She's looking at me like I'm a monster. I, I was just like, what the fuck? This is a little kid. I have a fun fact about this scene. Hi, Christ. So during this sequence, uh, so this sequence was done in one take. Okay. Uh, Duncan Rager, who played the uh, uh, Dracula character, he wouldn't wear the red contacts or fangs around her because she had scared her too much. Yeah, understandable. For the scene. Fred Decker just told the uh, Ashley Bank is the little girl, mm. and he just went up to her and he said, "I want you to scream when they raise the platform because she's on this like little platform." So she was like, "Well, when when am I supposed to scream?" And he's like, "Don't worry, you'll know." And so they proceeded to shoot, and that terrifying scream that she lets out was. The moment that Dracula opened his eyes and he had the contacts in, because he kept his eyes shut while he stood there. So the second he went, "Ah," she fucking just lost her shit. Oh my god! So it's a genuine, real scream of fright. This woman is like probably in her forties now. It fucking looks awesome. It does. It's (laughs) for the torture of children. Um, I would love to ask this lady if she is terrified of red contacts and Dracula at this point and vampires. <laughs> like, how do you feel now that you're a 40 year old lady? One of his favorite movies of all times, and he can't remember yeah, the I'm sequence. Apart. <laughs> um, so, thankfully, Frankenstein shows up and. Because he is pissed. He, that is his friend. He is pissed. And he grabs Dracula. Dracula drops the girl. And he, he says bogus and punches him into the air. So fucking <laughs> bogus. I'm like, oh my god, this is hilarious. This frees everybody up. They are able to finish the ritual. They open the portal. Everything gets starts getting sucked in. Cars, Cars trees, yep. fucking um, 
Dracula. Dracula. Oh, well, actually. Van Helsing <laughs> flies out of the portal, grabs Dracula, and waves and smiles and at Sean. Gives Sean a thumbs, thumbs up. Because <laughs> why the fuck not? Oh, and then Phoebe, little Phoebe, is hiding behind a. A car just went through it, but she's hiding behind a, pe- a, a park bench. Yes. That's not secured to anything. But well, a car you assume it's, it's secured to the ground. It's but... on its side. Listen, it's a movie. Let it go. Semantics. <laughs> it's the Monster Squad. Come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, like, she's holding on to Frankenstein with her little five-year-old hand. And she's like, don't go, don't go. He gets sucked into the portal. He's like, bye. And she throws him in her she teddy bear. She throws him her teddy bear so he has a friend in limbo. It's such a sad little moment at it the end of this movie. It actually gave me, like, I wanted to cry. It was like, oh my god, poor, poor Phoebe. It's... I keep wanting to say for Pe- Phoebe Cates. No. That is not. No. Not, no. We're and not watching wearing, Gremlins. And she's watching, she's wearing red too. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, oh dear lord. Isn't Phoebe Cates in Fast Times at Richmond High too? Mm-hmm. With the bathing suit scene. Yeah, the red bathing suit. That's where the. That's why I said little Phoebe's wearing red, too. Unless you think she wears red in Gremlins, too. In, re- in Gremlins or Gremlins 2? Gremlins. But you said Gremlins 2. As well, you <laughs> bitch. Hey, there'll be no swearing in this household. But Dracula, Frankenstein, all the monsters are either dead or have gone through into limbo, and the portal closes. Yep. And... Right on cue, the fucking military shows up. The National up. Guard shows up and like, oh, who are you kids? And Sean hands him the business card that says, where's Monster Squad? Do you realize why the military showed up? No. It's because there's a small moment earlier in the movie where Eugene writes a letter, a really shitty letter that just says something like, military guys, monsters are here. Come help, Eugene. And he mails it. So the military showed up based on the a handwritten letter by, by a child. By a seven-year-old. He had to be about seven or eight. Oh, my God. It's so fucking stupid, and I love it. And there, Eugene is always followed by this little beagle. Yes. This little, little beagle barks all the time, never shuts up. The little beagle is the one that licks the envelope for Eugene. Yes. It is stupid adorable and stupid at the same time. But that, in a nutshell, is the Monster Squad. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is is it closing questions time? I think it might be. All right. All right. Overall thoughts on the film? It was cute. Not my cup of tea. No? No, it was cute. It didn't do anything for you? No, not really. It was a cute movie. I'm glad I finally watched it. I'm glad I know what... He looks so bummed. She breaks my heart. I'm gonna break Breaks something my else. Heart. Darling, you left my heart in pieces on the floor. Pieces. <laughs> They're exactly what you think they are. Oh, it was a cute fuck. it was a cute movie. I like it. I I will not say it's a terrible movie. I'm very shocked I never saw this movie as a kid in the 90s. This would have had more of an impact when I was a kid. Now that I'm adult, I'm an adult, I'm like, eh, it's, it's, it's cute. If I watched it as a kid like you did, it might be more impactful. I can understand that. Niche movies like these, like kind of like cult following movies like these, never really was a Rocky Horror Picture fan show. Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. 
Wow. All right. But as I became an adult, I was like, oh, okay, it's a good movie. I see why people like this, but if I watched it when I was younger, it would have made more sense for me to be a huge fan. This, from like my obsession with Labyrinth, this is yours. Like, I can kind of see the parallels between... Well, this isn't, to preface, this isn't my favorite movie of all time. No, no, but, but I can see why, like, a movie like that like Dark Crystal, The Labyrinth, The Neverending Story, huge movies like that that have cult followings and why they have the cult followings. Would I ever be a big fan of like this of you? Probably not. But it's also not the type of movie I'm more of a fan of. I'm more of a high fantasy person. Right. This is Spoopy Scary Monsters and this is your cup of tea. Although I love Frankenstein. He's <laughs> <was> so cute. <laughs> what about you, sweetie? So, for me, this this is a film that I have always loved. Mm. This is part of a holy trinity for me. So, b- the holy trinity being Night of the Creeps, Monster Squad, and Fright Night. Oh, okay. There are three movies that they have a very similar tone to them, and they're all like that over-the-top horror comedy sort of blend. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that I can watch a hundred million times and never get sick of. Okay. I love everything about it. I love the characters. I love the effects. I I love everything. There's nothing I don't like about this movie. And that's never going to change. It's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I enjoy it even more. Did you have any favorites? Bogus. Bogus. Anytime Frankenstein was on the screen, I liked Frankenstein. He was really cool. It um, It's definitely going to be one of those movies that I understand why it's very quoted in this house. I see why, like, there's a huge cult following. But yeah, definitely Frankenstein was my favorite lines, favorite character. Anything he was in was my favorite in this movie. What about you? Well, there's the obvious Wolfman's Got Nards. Yep. But my absolute favorite line of the whole movie has and always will be give me the amulet you bitch <laughs> cause for fuck's sake Dracula is screaming this at a five year old girl <laughs> how is that not amazing I hope that actor afterwards like give me the amulet you bitch ah, cut I am so sorry. Sweetie, do you want an ice cream? Do you want a hug? What do you need? What do I need to apologize to you? Oh, God. Does it work? I don't know how to answer this question because I personally think it does. Obviously, the director at some point didn't because heartbreakingly, he gave up after this. Obviously, the box office numbers prove that it didn't. But the fans will tell you it does. The one thing that I have learned about the world, about music, about films, about books, about anything, love what you fucking love. Don't listen to critics. Don't listen to people who tell you, no, it's not good. No. Some of my favorite things in the world I would have never gotten into if it weren't for me going, I'm just going to try it. Everybody in the world was like, oh, don't get into that. It's stupid. Don't. I started getting into Game of Thrones well in the beginning. And I was like, well, I like high fantasy. Let's give it a try. 
I dove right into it. And when the world started get, seeing it get big, yeah, unfortunately, I was there with everybody. But it was not for a lack of trying. I wanted to watch it. It's on HBO. No offense, but HBO costs money, kids. Yeah. And I was very poor. Couldn't afford it. But little things like that. Like, I love D&D. I play D&D all the time. Now D&D is getting big again because of Stranger Things. But when I started playing back in, like, 2005, 2006, there wasn't really a resurgence of it then. It was just eight of us in a basement having a good time because we were young and stupid and didn't have anything else to do with our Sunday night. Almost, like, ten years later, we were still playing it. You know, to this day, it's 20, almost 18 years later, I'm still playing D&D when I can. You are still loving your movies. You are a director because you're a director, you're creative. You're doing what you love because you never gave up on it. You did give up on it for a little while and realized that you don't want to give up on this. I can't. No. I tried and I failed to give up. <laughs> if, if people are telling you to give up, you're nothing, you're no good, you're worthless, don't do this. Fuck them. Do what you want that makes you happy. If you have a nine-to-five job that you can't stand, but you were told you have to have a nine-to-five job to make it, quit your job. Go do what you're passionate about. Need health insurance? You need money? There's always a way. You always find something. You can do it. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Be fucking happy. I'm saying all this stuff. <laughs> when in reality, I should be following it. But not that I hate my job. I don't hate my job. I've just, I've been stuck in the same predicament for like weeks now. Next week, we find out if I can get out of this cast. But <laughs> I've put a lot of my dreams on hold because I've had to. And it kills me. And that passion isn't there because I've listened to people who said, well, it's not a real job. You're not, you're not really that good. You can only get good with practice. And when you and I, when I moved in here with you, you had a shit job. You hated. And I kept telling you, I support you a million percent. Not even kidding. Quit your fucking jobs. Go after your dream. Now, it's not really there, but you're in, almost in your dream jobs. You're in your field. You're doing what you need to. But it was because I sat here and went, not really all because of it, but it was because you had somebody on your side going, I believe in you. Don't listen to anybody else. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. Just do it. And I know once you're settled, you'll do the same for me. And I'll do it the same for everybody else. So to this director, what was his name again? Fred Decker. Sorry, Fred. <laughs> Mr. Fred Decker. I have just watched this movie, Monster Squad, for the first time. Yes, I said this is a cute little movie. But I can see your passion behind this film. And it breaks my heart that you stopped. It breaks my heart to pieces that you stopped because you listened to people. To be fair, he didn't entirely stop. But No, but... I think he lost the creative edge, the creative drive. But that's what happens to being with somebody who's creative. And I have tons of friends that are very creative. I've watched them get beat down. I've watched you get beat down. It happens. It does. Don't give up. Don't. Don't give up. I should be looking in a mirror saying this to myself. I've given up so many times. But, oh my God, don't give up. Please. Go after your dreams, for God's sakes. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in that dead-end 9-to-5, coming home, 
living for the weekends, that's not fun. That's not. You know, our sole purpose is not to feed and shelter the girls. They think it is because they're both staring at us because it's dinner time. (laughs) Little bitches. This does work. This works whether people believed it or not back in 87, and it works now. And I'm going to skirt right into, would I remake it? No. No, I wouldn't touch this movie. This is a movie of its time. This is the movie of the 80s. This is a movie of practical magic. Practical magic. No, wrong movie. Back it up. Of practical effects. There was nothing CG generated in anything like that. This was all practical. This is a great movie. Is it my cup of tea? No. That doesn't mean I can't see how wonderful this movie is. This movie works 100% and it does not need to be redone. Don't touch it. Well, it goes without saying for me that this movie has worked, will always work. And I think it works on a level that people don't realize. Like, just based on the detail that we're able to pull out of it on this one viewing, Mm. I feel like there's so much more to this movie that people don't give it credit for. I feel like it has... Yeah, it's it's a cheesy little Goonie style story with monsters, but it also has a lot of heart in it. There's a lot in there that Fred Decker and Shane Black put in that just it speaks to the, to elements of life that people often don't put on screen. That people forget. That people forget. And I don't know. I I have really always been a supporter of this movie and I want I wish others would see it the way I do would I recommend it? Absolutely no, 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 you skipped one no I didn't, this is the order it goes in, did I fuck it up? yeah, would I recommend it? (laughs) would I recommend it? Absolutely like 100% I really think people should watch this like yeah some people might not enjoy it the way i do but that's fine i think you'll find something cool in it or at least fun in it funny Mm. it's a it's a funny fucking movie would i make this today fuck no it doesn't deserve to be remade it doesn't need to be remade remakes should be reserved for movies that were absolutely shitty when they first came out and but had a cool concept that maybe somebody could do something cool with. Mm. This was not absolutely shitty. This is a fucking awesome movie. Don't remake this. That and to be fair, the classic monsters aren't relevant anymore. No. They've tried to bring them back how many times and every time they fail. They keep bringing them back in stupid ways though that drive us crazy. Yeah. And this is the way to do it. Like this is it's been done. To answer your question, I would recommend this. Would you? Yeah, actually, I would. I would recommend this because it's not... It's not a true crazy horror film. I think, like... For the 80s, this one was a little rough for kids. But, like, kids I know today, they can handle this. This is fine. They'd actually enjoy this. So, yes, I would recommend this. So, the big final question... Mainstream exploitation or other? This is mainstream. It's main. This is mainstream. Wholeheartedly disagree. What? For the first time ever in 40 this episodes. This is not the first time that we've disagreed. I classify this as other. You think? 
Yeah, uh, like I this definitely doesn't fall into mainstream. Like nobody would have been clamoring for a movie like this. Mainstream would be reserved for more things like Jurassic Park or fucking Nobody needed Jurassic Park. No, but Jurassic Park to me was only mainstream because of the ground ba- br- groundbreaking um advances it made. You're not wrong. But I would I wouldn't this definitely is an exploitation doesn't push boundaries in any way. This, it pushes boundaries by calling a five-year-old a bitch. That's about it. But this would definitely fall under other. It's mm. something that comes out of left field. It's the most it's an absolutely ridiculous little film. The cat is attacking my foot. Talk about monsters, huh? We have our own monster squad right here. It's because they're hungry. Yeah. But yes, I would, I would classify this as other. Other? Okay. But I think that brings this discussion on Monster Squad to an end. Unless you have anything else you'd like to mention. That cat's got nards. No, she doesn't. We got her <laughs> oh, fixed. Oh, yes, she does. Look at her. We got her fixed. She's gonna ruin those <laughs> shoes. Don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Did you die in this house? How did you die? Whatever it is, it's trying desperately to communicate. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? So next up for our Halloween movies for the month, we have The Changeling. I have not seen this movie. I have never heard of this movie. I only know Changelings because of Doctor Who and D&D. Um, but I pulled up the 
I didn't look at the synopsis. I pulled up the, the movie poster. So we have no idea what you guys just heard. But the tagline on the top says, how did you die, Joseph? Did you die in this house? Why do you remain? So this is interesting. And it looks like it stars George C. Scott and Trisha. Oh, God. Uh, Trisha Van Devere. George C. Scott. Gotta love him. I know that. I know that name. Definitely know that name. But it looks very interesting. Everything I've heard and seen about the movie, it looks and sounds great. Like, I've heard some really great stuff about it. Mm. It's just one I've never had a chance to watch. And this, our podcast gives us the perfect fucking excuse to check it out. Right? So one of the actors is Melvin Douglas, who I swear to God, we just watched him in House on Haunted Hill. What year did that come out? It's the 30s, right? Ah, no. He looked he looked very uh, very familiar. But wow, this uh, definitely is going to be an interesting movie. Yeah, I think it could be pretty fun. I'm always up for something that neither of us have ever seen. That's what I know George C. Scott from. <laughs> a Christmas Carol. Well, I know George C. Scott from The Exorcist 2. Or sorry, Exorcist 3. Firestarter as well. Oh, yeah, he's in Firestarter. I always forget that. I've never seen Firestarter. I've never seen The Exorcist. No, I have seen The Exorcist. I don't remember it. 100% do not remember The Exorcist. Well, that'll be fun to revisit then. One of the most (laughs) terrifying movies ever made. (laughs) At the time. At the time. All right, I watched Rosemary's Baby because I was told it was the most horrifying movie I'd ever watched. At the time. I laughed. (laughs) I fucking laughed and I went, I don't trust horror movies anymore. (sighs) All right. Well, I think that brings today's episode to an end. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can head over to our Discord and chat with Leah about this film, any of the films that we've talked about. Coffee. Coffee, anything you want. Just say hi. She needs friends, guys. Eh. <laughs> All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning, unless you support us Yes. on Acast when they come or out. Patreon. Yep. They come out. Friday morning at 6 a.m. Yes, we have now set it up to where anybody that supports the show, if you if you subscribe to a certain tier level, yep. you'll get the early access to the episodes, which means you get them Friday morning while everybody else gets them Monday morning. Yep. So you get them the whole weekend to hear us. To hear our beautiful voice. Hint, hint. Support the show. Please, we're hungry. <laughs> so are the cats. We're thirsty. We need more caffeine. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. Beer, 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 beer. Oh, I remembered.
many scenes in this film, it is definitely not recommended for the squeamish. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.